Okay, I believe we're recording. <laughs> it um, looks like it is. Yeah, just so you know, for this podcast, I have no intro. Yes, I, have no outro. I love that. You're just, you're just, we're getting down to it. <laughs> very low tech situation. Yes, this is perfect. I love it. Yeah, it's very much like, you're in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just press record. Um, well, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Christina Singh, and you are listening to Grown Woman. This is a podcast about all the small ways in which women are successful. And I am so excited to welcome Stephanie Vershow to this show. (laughs) Um, Stephanie is an empowerment coach and energy healer. And today we're going to talk about Stephanie's journey. um, And we're going to kind of get into the nitty gritty of how she became who she is and um, her background. And um, also, friendly reminder, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And um, also on Instagram at Grown Woman Pod. So, welcome, Stephanie. Hello, I'm Hello. so happy to be here. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. You are in my home in Brooklyn. Yes, and as soon as I came in, you offered me this delicious banana bread. <laughs> so I am so happy to be here. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, I wanted to make something. Um, I'm going to be super real with you. I was like, I have a cat. Oh God, what if it like smells? <laughs> I cannot smell a thing and my allergies are at bay. I was like so nervous about your allergies. You haven't even seen my cat. She's no. We'll have to see her. She's literally like wrapped up like a baby right now. No big deal. Do not um, move. No. But I literally have like essential oils like burning everywhere. I love it. This, the, whole, the whole ambiance here is fantastic. Oh, good. Thank you Welcome for having me. Welcome to this very professional situation. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Um, First, I wanted to get into you, who you are. We met um, because we're in the same networking group. And if people are consistently listening to this show, every person I've interviewed has been from said networking group. So welcome to another one. Um, But you recently just joined. And so we um, we kind of just met. And so I wanted to interview you because you have such great energy and um, you also are just so captivating when you speak. Um, so I really wanted to get into it with you and just see kind of, you know, who you are, like where you're from, your journey. I know a bit, but, um, who are you? Where are you from? Well, thank you for (laughs) such a sweet introduction. I agree. When we met, I feel like we had chemistry right away. Yeah. Even though it's been a few weeks, it just feels like it was natural. Very much so. Um, so I've lived in New York for about eight years, but I was born in Venezuela so my um, (laughs) Venezuela (laughs) my mom is uh, Venezuelan and my dad is Swiss so I always say I'm a little bit United Nations I love that so much so I moved here about eight years ago I came from a corporate background right so I used to be in corporate I did marketing and PR for probably 13 14 years And it was all marketing, uh, PR in the beauty industry. So my last career corporate uh, job was at Mm L'Oreal. So it was all, um, you know, it was like living the corporate life in New York City and working 16-hour days. And uh, it was, you know, grinding, which I'm sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. just living here, you know, the grind and the hustle. Totally. Yeah, a lot of people um, living in New York, we talked to Tracy about this in our last episode, yes. but um, they're very busy, and it's kind of like a badge of honor here, Yes, um, and I lately have been trying to kind of squash that, Absolutely, and just be like, it's actually not that great it's not. to be that busy all the time, right? Um, and because the type of busy where you're lacking self-care. 
That's exactly so, it. You forget who you are. Exactly. So you were experiencing that. So I was exper- experiencing that in the last, uh, within the last two years of corporate, I was like, my body was shutting down because it was pretty much like you live on coffee, mm-hmm. alcohol, and maybe the occasional food that doesn't really <laughs> nourish you. Yeah. Um, but I was making a ton of money. I was working for a really successful company. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these things that you end up considering like, quote unquote, important. Right. And my stomach, Christina, if I tell you, it felt like a, just a t- like, a, like knots, like heavy knots, like heavy balls, knots in my stomach. It felt awful. And little by little, it was like, worse and worse Mm. but you know what there's something wrong and you're like "Mm, i'm not ready i'm not ready to figure out what that whole thing is about so it was like more numbing more working and working you can hide yourself behind what you do so i think when the busyness business happens it may not necessarily because we're busy but we're afraid to see what the other side of the coin looks like so you end up working even more um so it came to a point that it was like very dramatic but it was probably in winter and I had called in off work. So I'm like, I'm not going in today. I feel horrible. And I was literally on the floor in my apartment just bawling. Oh, my God. Just bawling because I'm like, I don't know who I can talk to. Like, my boyfriend was great, now husband. But it's still a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do with my life? So I literally just asked, like, the universe, God, my angels. I'm like, anybody that's outside this apartment, like, I need help. So I ended up going online through kind of some divine intervention and I came across uh, just looking for coaches. Mm -hmm. So back then I didn't even know what coaching meant. I had gone to therapy growing up and I think therapy is beautiful type of modality when you're kind of stuck in something that happened in the past Mm -hmm. and you're not able to work through it. But this seemed more that it was a present. Mm -hmm. So I hired a coach. Mm -hmm. I worked with her for about three, four months. And the biggest discovery was that Everything that brought me joy, I had completely shut out. Interesting. So what was actually, so what were those things? So I loved uh, painting. I loved dancing. Mm -hmm. Even like karaoke. I love reading. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of spiritual things. And I had completely just lock the door on the closet with Mm -hmm. all my spiritual things. Because also in corporate, if you're spiritual, they look at you like you have three heads. And even though there's a lot of spiritual people in corporate, it's not necessarily something you like talk about. Yeah. I would have crystals that I would like hide in my bra. At I would work? like <laughs> I would hide in my bra, I would hide in my pants. You're like I'm documentaries like, and be like the secret hidden. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm like I'm going to bring my crystals. I'm going to bring my I would have this little spray it was like Palo Santo or sage and I would like sprayed on my desk I love it. so it was kind of like my way of grounding myself yeah. so anyways I worked with a coach for about four months and I loved the process so I decided to um, enroll in coaching school yeah so I was still working full-time I'm gonna I'm gonna go to coaching school and the coaching school was all energy coaching which spoke it to me in so many ways yeah. and I said in case I feel this crisis I wanna know how to heal myself mm. So I went to school for like 10 months and the first intensive weekend on my way home, it was like another very like movie type of moment. I was walking home and it felt like the the sky parted and it was like, this is what I'm meant to do with my life, mm-hmm. be a coach. Mm-hmm. So that moment was like total clarity. 
And then it took me about a year to get comfortable with the idea of resigning. And then a year after I graduated from coaching school, I resigned and I decided to start my own business. So you were in coaching school while you were at your corporate job? Yes. Okay. Yes. So before we get into kind of that process, thank you so much for that journey. I want to talk about the journey to your corporate job. Mm, Okay. how, what did you study, kind of what led you into this world? Yes. So I studied international uh, business and marketing mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know what to do with my life. It was one of those things that I'm like, what do I do? And I felt business was like a catch-all for, you know, <laughs> my like, confusion. Business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me just be in corporate. My dad is also, he's been in corporate his whole life and I super admire my dad and he had a successful career. So I think that was like, my mom was like a, she worked in HR for a little bit, but she was mostly a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they have a great life. Like, I'll yeah. set up my life. So that's how I got into business and marketing. I used to live in Miami. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, uh, you know, cruise, it's like the cruise capital of the world. Right. So when I graduated from, I went to undergrad at University of Tampa. Mm-hmm. And then I went to grad school at University of Miami. Mm. So um, I worked for a cruise line. For like, not in the cruise ships, I was on the corporate side, but a lot of the photo shoots. I envisioned you with like maracas and like... We had a lot of photo shoots in like Hawaii and I'm like, this is so glamorous. Like you're working all the time. But it was a lot of fun and living in Miami, like it was like a fun part of it. And by then I loved what I did. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is great. I love my life. I love my career. Fantastic. So that was the beginning of my corporate career. So when you were going into working for this cruise line, like, were you just looking for jobs online that were in marketing and... Yes. I started as an executive assistant. Okay. And I loved it. My manager then, she was like the VP of marketing. And she was the, to this day, Christina, and I worked for corporate for 15 years. To this day, she was the best boss manager Karen, if you ever listen to this, she was amazing. Karen. Karen Sinclair. She was so cool. She would take me to all the meetings and she would treat me like a person. And I was like a 20 year old, mm-hmm. clueless, like most people, but I would take my job seriously. And she taught me so much. So what are the, some of the things that Karen instilled in you that you still use to this day? Oh, what a good question. Um, the biggest one is to treat others exactly how you would like to be treated yeah. because I never felt like she tra- she treated me like her assistant. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't know if she saw potential or we got along, but I think it's treating others how you want to be treated and also give back to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Karen was probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years older than me or at the time. And she was teaching me the ropes of corporate. So mm-hmm. I think now I love working with people that are starting in their career mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh my God, everything I learn, you can, yeah. I'll give it, I'll give it all to you. I think that's really powerful because what that shows is when you were first starting out in your career, you went to business school or you studied in business and then you were looking for a role, not really knowing what you wanted, finding all these jobs, landing this job. Fortunately, you had an experience where you automatically were paired with a mentor. Yes. And... I think that is really powerful. And we talked about this in our episode with Tracy, where um, Tracy was invited to join our BNI group by a woman who was heading up this group at the time. And I think the, we'll, we'll talk about this probably in every episode, but the power of um, 
just female coaching or a men- female mentorship yes. or female networking um, is really, really strong, especially when it comes from a modality of love mm-hmm. and understanding who you are at that time in your life and trying to um, help you grow. And there are unfortunately a lot of managers out there that do view people as their assistants or that don't want people to grow or just need somebody to take something off of their plate, don't really want to invest the time. So what a special opportunity you had where you had a starting manager out. Mm-hmm. starting out that helped you see your value. Yes. And it's interesting because the end of my career was with somebody that was a total opposite. Right. So the one thing I want to say though, by that, by right. That was kind yeah. of like the beginning. I think it's the universe nudging me. Mm-hmm. It had to be in a very abrupt way because I think humans learn that way. Like if things are easy or you become complacent. Yeah. But if somebody slams the door in your face, you're like, what? Yeah. So, but I want to say about the mentorship that sometimes even if you don't get invited, Seek for people that you respect, whether it's books or podcasts or movies. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't until now that you said it. She was my mentor. I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. But I looked up to her. She somehow saw that in me. And so I love that because sometimes you get the privilege to people are like, let me mentor you. But a lot of people don't. And if you don't get that, it's like, who do you look up to in your everyday life that could be like your unofficial mentor? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's great. And I... I think when a lot of women are starting out in their careers, we're, we have this image of just having it all together and being at the top of our game. Um, but when I started out after college, I graduated in 2009 and I was like, I was a tutor. I worked in a grocery store. I worked uh, as a temp at a nonprofit. Like there were so many people and so many um, roles in my life that I tried out. Um, where it just didn't work or I didn't have direction because right. you aren't really taught that you're. it's okay to not have direction. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> if you're directionless, it's like you're doing something wrong. Right. Which is how, that's how you find discovery. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to like empowering people. If anybody's listening of like, if you don't know where you're going, that's a good thing. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure, well, now what you're doing, you figured it out. Mm-hmm. Part of it. And then there's yeah. more discoveries Always. as yeah. we continue. I think that's, just the beauty of uh, life in general yeah. is that um, you really truly don't need to have it all figured out. And Minna, in our first episode, talked about that where like what a gift to not know mm. um, everything. That's beautiful. Like what a gift to be able to learn everything. That's a beautiful reframe. Instead mm-hmm. of being like I'm lost, it's like I'm discovering. Right. Yeah. So going back to lovely Karen yes. and your executive assistant job. So how did you transition into basically traveling everywhere and being a part of this cruise line yeah so we used because i was in marketing Mm -hmm. a lot of the photo shoots were in beautiful glamorous places like bermuda and hawaii and i was like this 22 year old i don't even know looking back but i know i was very um committed to the work i had a lot of integrity in what i did so i'm sure that also pays off it wasn't like oh i'm going on a cruise let me be my bathing suit it's like no i'm responsible so that was beautiful learning um I worked for that company for about five years, maybe. And then um, I've always loved skincare and like beauty and all the things. So all the cruise ships have like spas. And there was a brand in the spas that I loved. It's um, Elemis. It's a British skincare brand. Do you love, you know Elemis? I do. (sighs) Okay. There is this makeup artist who I 
like it would be literally a dream if she came on the show. Yes. Um, her name is she Katie will. Jane Hughes. Yes. Katie Jane Hughes. I have no idea if you're out there and if you are ever listening to this, but I would love to have you on the show because I love you. She uses Elmas all the time and her skin is it is just, I mean It is most beautiful line. It was these three good friends from um, England that founded it. And I think it's now like the 25th year of LMS. Wow. So LMS got the contract to be the main um, skincare brand of the Cruces. So I was obsessed with it. And then um, I looked it up online and their parent um, company was in Miami. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, I'm going to apply. Um, I've been working in the cruise line, so I know the brand. So I applied for it, and then that's I did. So for the next probably five years of my career, it was all LMS. So that was a ton of fun because my manager there was also a mentor in many ways. She did not fit the corporate profile at all, but I loved it. So what do you mean by that? Well, she wasn't like in suits, Mm -hmm. and like her hair wasn't all, like we're talking about these perfect women. Mm -hmm. She was more like long hair. She wore like, I don't even know the names, but just like, her own clothing. She used to sing on the weekends in Miami Beach. I love and her. <laughs> Sarah Jacob, like she was just a beautiful soul. And she she kind of instilled in me that you can be yourself. She was heading marketing mm-hmm. for this amazing brand. And she was herself. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot from her as well to just like, I thought it had to be a certain way in corporate. Yeah. And working with her, I'm like, wait, I can wear these things or I can wear whatever jewelry or my hair doesn't have to be mm-hmm. perfect. So yeah. yeah. I want to like dive into that a little bit because so I work in the nonprofit field and I work for a smaller organization now and I was working for a larger, I had typically worked for a larger national organizations before this. And I felt very much that they were akin to a corporate environment. Um, very much like you had to wear certain clothes, you yes. had to make sure certain accessories were on. I remember going for an interview and I, I had um, a recruiter that was working with me to find a role and I was wearing kind of longer earrings and I remember her being like, you need to take those off, those are inappropriate. And so I kind of want to dive into your experience with that because I think it's very, very interesting <clears throat> how we are expected to dress a specific type of way, look a specific type of way, which honestly I think encompasses, to get real here, a very heteronormative white uh, expectance upon women. Yes. um, To have everything buttoned up. Not to say that I don't love that type of look and that type of fashion and those types of women. I do. Like the Devil Wears Prada type of thing. Right. I love that. But I also think it can be incredibly, um, like, really harmful Mm -hmm. when you're not necessarily feeling like yourself in that environment. What has been your experience in that type of... Because you you literally are wearing like sweats, super comfy clothes. It's great. Being a business like... owner is fantastic. <laughs> it's great. And you just yeah. talked about your boss having these you know these types of um, pieces that were not within the corporate realm. So I'd love to know kind of like your experience. These questions are so beautiful, Christina, because it's you're bringing on this beautiful journey and really picking these points that a lot of people, women or men, are experiencing. Um, so my first part of my career was very button up and it's Mm -hmm. like suits and all, all those things. 
Um, the second part of my career was working with this woman that she was all like this mystical corporate goddess, like all kinds of lipstick and earrings and just like she had hair kind of like yours, but it was like longer and curly. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just mesmerized by this beautiful woman who is able to conduct meetings and be this boss, but also wearing mm-hmm. like long Indian, I can't think of the names, but just like these beautiful clothing mm-hmm. that you're like, wow. So that allowed me to em- like embrace that part of myself. Yeah. So that was beautiful. The last part of my career, it was the total opposite. It was like Devil Wore Prada. Mm-hmm. Like you need to wear lipstick, your hair needs to be beautiful, you need to smell good, your nails can't be chipped. So, and I think at the beginning, I was very um, enamored by that Mm -hmm. because it's like the, what they show in the movies, right? It's like the corporate women that are going to work and their shoes and all these things. And you're like, wow. And it does exist. It's, it's, it's exhausting, but it exists. And some part of me loved it because you also get to be feminine Mm -hmm. and embrace that part. But I'd say for, for everybody that's getting to know themselves, like it all counts, Mm-hmm. But as you are embarking in your journey, if it's corporate or nonprofit or beauty companies, take a look at yourself first. If you are the type who is turned on and loves the idea of lipsticks and beautiful hair and all of that, interview for those companies. Mm-hmm. But if you're the type of person that you're like, I want to be chill, take a look at the culture of those companies because they all exist. Exactly. And I think it's when we're trying to put ourselves in an environment that's not authentic when there is a miss and they're like, remove your earrings and you're like, but I love, they were my grandmother's earrings. I don't care. It doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, that's where we take our power back and you pick and choose where you want to play as long as it's authentic to who you are. I absolutely agree with you. And I also think it's really important to, you hit on a great point, which is culture. Um, I think it's essential to understand work culture Um, And it's essential to understand that work culture doesn't have to be the culture. Right. Um, Like the the stereotypical work culture doesn't have to be the culture. Um, And I also think it's important to understand that a very casual work culture might not work for you. Exactly. And if you are the type, like you said, where you're wearing suits every day, you're buttoned up, you have the latest fashion, or you just put that effort into yourself, that's great. But I do think there should be an understanding that not everyone is going to do that. I agree. And I used to be the one that I fit, like I made my, I'll rephrase that, I made myself fit into these cultures. Yeah. Instead of like now looking back, I'm like, I could have picked where I want to work. So I kind of like molded myself, which is why eventually didn't work out. Right. Like you said, I mean, I think another thing you hit on really um, well is that you were making a lot of money. Like, we're doing this because we want to make money. Yes. We're working because we want to support ourselves and make money. We want to be go-getters. We want to be career-driven women. And I think what is so essential is that you have to support women wherever they are in their lives mm-hmm. and, um, and believe in them at those stages. Absolutely. It, yes, you can give recommendations so people are being taken seriously. But you had a boss that was taken very seriously who was herself. And it's because she was smart and she was experienced and she was was unapologetic she was who she was and i think that's the biggest thing it's regardless of the environment be who you are because she she wasn't looking for an approval Mm -hmm. she's like i want to wear my long dresses 
Great. So I think there there is a way to have the conversation and maybe that with the earrings. Listen, this type of culture, those earrings are beautiful. That type <laughs> of culture you. doesn't it, it's not great for these earrings. So what's the fit? I think that would have been a more appropriate way yeah. instead of being like taking them off because they're not gonna like you. Yeah. What? Over earrings? Yeah. We got bigger problems exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I think it goes to another point we made um in another episode. Again, management sets the tone. Right. Um, in every role that I've been in, management sets the tone. And if you are not a manager or a director and you are reporting to somebody above you, you typically have to adapt to that tone and to that culture. Um, I do think it's incredibly important for people to voice those opinions and to state when their boundaries are not met or when they need to adjust. Mm-hmm. But that's the difficult part. Right. You know, you and are it's coming the into it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you were working at Elmas mm-hmm. and then you transitioned, like you said, into an environment that was very different, or at least with a manager that was very different. Was that when you moved to New York? Yes. So I was working at Elmas in Miami and then I had started to go to grad school for my business degree at UM. Loved it, living the life, great. And my Miami life, it's very easy compared to New York life. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Then they wanted me, I've always been super open about wanting to move to New York. Like it was just been my dream since I was a baby. Me too. Right? Yeah. You too? You're from mm-hmm. California, right? Yes, I am. Yes. It's always been my dream. Oh yeah. my gosh. And it's amazing. Like yeah. living here is, it's beautiful. So um, I've always been very open. So the, the parent company had acquired at the time Bliss Spa. Yes. And they wanted to have marketing and sales, both Bliss and LMS, out of the New York office. So the opportunity came when they were like, do you want to transfer? I had about six months left of grad school. And I said, if you wait for me, like, yes. Mm -hmm. So they waited. Then I moved here. And I was with LMS for probably another year or so. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to get the itch. Like, what else? So, okay. Pause. So you went to grad school. Yes. So you did that while working at Elemis. Mm-hmm. What made you make that decision? Grad school, I've always been like a very ambitious and overly achiever, which I've now learned there's a balance to that. Back then <laughs> I had no balance. I'm like, I want to go grad school. I want to get my PhD. I want to run five marathons <laughs> a year, like stuff. What's 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 happening in your life? But I was kind of very just focused and on I what's next. I want to be my authentic self. Yes, and I want to wear earrings and lipstick. <laughs> Love me, me. But I think it was just like when you're an achiever, now I've learned it's important to know what you are, what you want to achieve that is fulfilling. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just achieving. And it's great that on paper. so powerful. It, right? You're yeah. just, and I was just achieving because I'm like, I don't know what my goal is. It's just What's the next big thing that I can do to impress me and I impress others? And it's the badge of honor. So I was doing all the things. So grad school just came out of me wanting to achieve. Yeah. I did undergrad. It's, I don't know. I mean, it depends for the, for the people. Undergrad was never really a choice for me. I guess it could have been. But it was the next thing that you do after high school. Mm-hmm. Where grad school, it was absolutely my choice. And it was fun. It was crazy. It was hardworking. It was beautiful two years of my life. Um, so that's how I, I got into um, grad school. And I loved, loved the experience. I think something that's wonderful. And I think that something that you said that was also really powerful is that when there was an opportunity for you to leave, you didn't just jump you asked if they could wait for you. That is a huge lesson because that's something I personally would be afraid to do. Mm-hmm. Like go to your employer and ask like, okay, well, I'm going to graduate in six months. Can you wait for me? Right. 
that's huge. It felt super powerful for a big company. Right. Did you feel comfortable doing that or was that scary? Uh, That I felt comfortable. What Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable is there was a little bit of a negotiation. It was the first time they had transferred somebody to another city. Yeah. So they had no idea, like neither of us knew what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember they were like, we're going to transfer you with the same salary and we're not going to pay for your moving costs. The beginning, I was like, okay, go home, doing my numbers, talking to my dad. I'm like, this doesn't add up. There what did is your like, dad say? My, well, my dad is, my dad is a headhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's really good at like negotiating and getting to know people. And he also is good about like letting me make my own decisions. Yeah. But I realized in New York, you have like uh, city taxes and state taxes and 20 other different taxes. Where in Florida, it's mm-hmm. just state taxes. Yeah. So I had to come back to them, Christine, and say, if this is how it's going to be, I'm not going to be able to take the job. Mm-hmm. And I bawled in my car. Because I was crushed. In my head, I'm like, I'm going to move to New York. Like, I'm moving. And then I do the numbers. And I'm like, once I'm there, what am I going to cry and say that I can't pay my bills? Right. Like, once I shake hands and I say yes, I'm done. But there are so many people that do that. I do that. Like, yes. I know that there are people that do that that will just take the job because they're afraid of saying mm. what they need. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really powerful that you were afraid, but you did it. Right. I think I was super conscious. I was more afraid move here and not pay my bills. Yeah. Because at that point, you're independent. You're paying your own bills. What am I going to do if I can't afford my, my rent? Mm-hmm. So I think that was more concerning to me yeah. than being like, I'll figure it out. I've never been the type to be like, I'll figure it out until later in life that I realized mm-hmm. there's so much power in the uncertainty of things. I am so the type where <laughs> You're like, more like that? I'll figure oh, it out. Oh no. I'm like, I can't. It's giving me heart palpitations. Literally, you're in my apartment and there's a mic on a fucking like, like a little TV wood table. Stand. Like, I'll figure it out. But see, there's so but much it's power. Scary. Yeah. It's scary, but you're getting things done. Sometimes yeah. if you're trying to be all, I have to have everything perfect, you don't move forward. Right, totally. But that was a big thing, and I felt super proud because then they thought about it, and a, a month later, we worked out the numbers, and it worked out, and, you know, eight years later, here, here I am. That's amazing. So, okay, it works out. You now have a master's degree. You now have a job in New York City. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Um, so you move, you get here. What happens? So I'm here for about a year. And um, on a personal level, I end up meeting then boyfriend and lover, now husband. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we used to work together. So I came here and I used to work out of the Bliss offices. So it's mm-hmm. still LMS, but it was all Bliss. Um, they used to be downtown on Varick Street. So I thought I'm like living my dream, working at a Soho, like so great. So it was great because that, that first year I met my husband. Um, yeah. He used to work in a different department and we had like a whole secret romance because Ooh. the offices were really small. It was like 50 people. People gossip at work. Like there was a beautiful crowd. But if you're working with 50 people and people are dating, yeah, like yeah, people are going to talk. So we're like, we can't say anything. Um, so we kept it a secret. So now that was that was like seven years ago. So I worked <laughs> out of the Elemis, uh, Bliss offices, Elemis. It was great. Like living my, my, my dream. And then at some point I realized like I want to go my achieving self. What's the next thing? Yeah. Um, so I started looking online applying for different jobs and kind of just opening up the door to the universe and just seeing like what else is out there. And I get an email through LinkedIn from a recruiter for a um, marketing job at L'Oreal. So part of me was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the other part of me, I'm like, this is, these are like the big leagues. Granted, I've been working for big companies, but that felt like 10 steps ahead. Mm. So that was the next process. 
the interviews, they say they were really hard. My um, experience were really easy. And I always say when things are easy, they're meant to be. Mm. Life is not meant to be hard. That's my belief now. So if things are feeling like they're hard, what can you do to kind of step out of it and allow the universe, God, whatever your beliefs are, to kind of do its job? Mm. Um, but they were really easy. So within a month, I had like signed a contract. What was that interview like? Because I think there are probably people out there who are like, what is it like interviewing with L'Oreal? Yes. Um so I, they had, so they have somebody in HR that spe- specializes in whatever focus you want to do. So meaning, if it's finance, there's a finance HR mm-hmm. person. If it's marketing, if it's PR, so there's somebody in HR that's an expert within the category. Um, and L'Oreal, it's just a huge company. There's like five different divisions. So then you meet with the managers that you would work with, but also with future um, colleagues. Mm. So that way it's almost like the 360 where everybody has an idea and you get to meet everybody at your level, higher and then in HR. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you get the job. Get the job. Um, you also sign like a very long contract, mm. um, just a non-disclosure agreement and NDR, just so in case, you know, there's a lot of competition. Start working with L'Oreal and it was a blast. I worked in the professional division, um, still in beauty for hair color. I had never done hair color in categories. I only did skincare. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, again, appealing to my achieving self. More to learn, more to achieve. We travel a lot. There's a lot of trade shows. My colleagues that I worked with, they were wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we worked in this little area that we called the pit because it was the darkest place in the whole company. (laughs) It was literally a pit. It was six desks. We would be there until like midnight every night, order seamless, get there at like 7.30 in the morning. Wow. It was intense, but... You kind of get to know these people. They become family in many ways. I spend more time with them than I did with my boyfriend and friends. And that was my life for um, almost four years. So when you, what was your job? Like, what did you do? So I managed about four different brands. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably close to $200 million brands. Wow. And they were all hair color brands. Okay. So my job was to work with the education team. We would go to the salon. There was a testing salon downtown. And we would test different color hairs. And then on models and whatnot. And then we would put together all the material for um, our sales team to sell. Mm-hmm. So we never saw, sold directly to the salons. But we would work with sales. So um, a funny story with that that I think you'll find interesting is that every year we would have to present at a sales meeting. And sales meeting with L'Oreal, there were probably like a thousand, two thousand people. I'd always been really comfortable on stage. And you probably pick that up a little bit from from our networking meetings. (laughs) Like I'm like, this is great. I feel at home. But I had never presented in front of like a thousand, two thousand people. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I'm like, oh, can I do this? So I started researching like public speaking classes in New York. And there's like Dale Carnegie, which is great, but it's a couple thousand dollars. Like, I don't know if I'm ready right. to do that. So I come across this article that says doing improv gets you to be a better public speaker. No, you because don't. so I signed up for improv. <laughs> So I think it's, so talking about mentors and kind of finding your way, it's like I could have probably spent like, I don't know, $3,500 to go to a Dale Carnegie class or my $300 at a 14-week improv, which gets you comfortable being who you are. Like not just on stage, 
But it's like you can get thrown into any situation and you're quick on your feed. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anybody at work because I, I don't know. That's, I guess, a little bit of shame. I'm like, do I need to work to be better? Which looking back, I'm like, people would have loved to hear the story yeah. that you're taking an improv class. But isn't that interesting how when you do uh, different self-improvement activities, there is, we were literally talking about this before the interview, there is a bit of shame because you are expected to know everything. Yes. You're expected to get up there and have it buttoned up and be tailored and seamless. And if you're, you know, screwing up, it's a sign of weakness. Or getting help or asking for help. Yeah. It's a sign of weakness. So yes. you felt so strongly about that, that you wanted to be good enough to meet yes. that standard. Yes. So you went out and looked for ways to improve upon yourself. Yeah. Which is great. It's so beautiful. But... You felt that you couldn't even tell your coworkers that you needed to meet that standard. Absolutely. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like looking back, <laughs> as I'm like hearing you retell the story, the two sides of the coin, the one side is fucked up. Because yeah. it's like, yes, I was a manager, I had years of experience. But also them saying like, hey, does anybody need help to get in front of 1,500 people? Right. It wasn't until the day before that we got an expert and he was wonderful. The other side of the coin, it's I'm so proud of that Stephanie mm-hmm. that like seeked it and didn't crumble. Totally. And was like, I'm going to make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think it, that both sides count in this story. Because I, I agree with both sides. You know, I think that it's wonderful that you wanted to learn more. And there are plenty of people who go out there and learn more. But there are also plenty of people who don't know that they can. Right. Who don't know that they can go out and enroll in an improv class or that, and that's okay. Right. Like they don't have to learn more. And that's the reason why I started this podcast is because I didn't feel like I knew enough and I wanted to learn from other women and I wanted to learn about what they're doing and how they learned what they're doing and how they are who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think in that moment, you literally took a a way for you to be successful, you learned and you implemented it. So I think that's great. I think what sucks is the shame that the shame. Comes with I that. totally or like agree. The judgment at times or and it might not even have been there, but the shame that we put on ourselves. Right. Um because you like you were just saying, your coworkers probably would have loved to hear about that. Right. They probably maybe would have like joined or looked at other Because they had to feel the same way. Right. To a certain extent, like it's intimidating mm-hmm. to be in front of people if this is if if you're not familiar with that kind of energy, yeah. So I'm sure they would have been like, "That's amazing. Let me do it with you." Yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. But I agree, the shame and the judgment, regardless if it's real mm-hmm. or illusion, kept me from sharing that. Right. So you get in front of all these people, like you're saying. So to go back to your story, yes, you. It was amazing. You loved it. I loved it. It was great. We had such a good... You're like, and then, you get hair color. Uh, yes. You get hair color. We did this whole theme of like being in the box ring. So it was like blondes against um, redheads. And because we we're showing the different colors we were launching that year. And then we found um, one of the sales manager who was amazing. I had like a very deep voice. So we're like, let's get you to say... Are you ready to rumble? And he like, oh, he was like so good. Um, And it was just to this day, people talk about that sales meeting and they're like, it was amazing. But I think we just embraced it and we had fun in the moment. And improv was a beautiful experience, not just for that sales meeting, but in life overall. Mm -hmm. Just to get more comfortable when things get uncomfortable, you can, you know, just go with the punches. And I think that's a great lesson 
um, when things get uncomfortable, you can control that narrative and you right. can adjust. So you got uncomfortable at work. Yes. You, um, we're working from 7 a.m. to midnight. You yes. were quite uncomfortable. Quite uncomfortable. Um, like you said at the top of this interview, you were starting to get sick. You, mm-hmm. or at least you were getting anxiety in your body. Rashes all over my body. Yeah. So how did that even start developing? Like what was, like, obviously you're schedule and your workload is a ton but you touch on this manager you touched on just the environment yes like look from a bigger outside perspective I think my inner being was telling me it's time for the next chapter mm-hmm. the way that manifests into our lives was having a manager that was difficult to work with was having rashes that were really uncomfortable was you know becoming numbing So it was, so I, then I looked at it like, what's going on in my life? Three years later, I look back, I'm like, the universe had to do all these things in order for me to realize it was time for the next step. Because I think if I would have stayed healthy and had great managers and slept, I would still be doing that because the money and um, the prestige of working for a successful company. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have that all those really uncomfortable manifestations in my body, in my manager, I would still be there. So I think... That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that's sure. so true. It's so true. Because you get perks and benefits and money and free product. Like, nobody wants to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people. I had to. I mean, I didn't have to. So it got really uncomfortable. I, I actually felt for the last I the last two years, so the first before the last... I, my God, Christina, you probably wouldn't recognize that person, but I was completely bullied at work, verbally. Wow. And I, I remember for like a full year, I would come home crying to my husband and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it got me, I felt so much more compassion for people that get physically abused. And you know, you hear those stories that say, um, I don't know how to leave the person. And then I've never been physically abused, but I always wonder like how, like at some point, how do you know not to leave the person? This realized, I realized this was a physical, uh, verbal abuse, but um, you end up losing, you lose your power. You forget who you are. It's, it's really, it was intense. And then um, I would come home and my, my boyfriend, husband would tell me we would do like, um, he would pretend he would be my manager and I would be me and oh, we would I've do, been there. like role play. I've been there. You've yep. been there. It was helpful because then yep. he's a New Yorker. He's like a six three black man who's like, what? You're you're not gonna let somebody talk to you like that. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. Let's practice, man. Let's practice. <laughs> um, I also realized part of my culture. I'm Latin. Um, in Latin cultures, you always respect your elder, right? Mm-hmm. You don't talk back. You respect. Yeah. I was bringing that paradigm into work. Yeah. She was older than me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't talk back. Now I'm like, uh-uh, if you disrespect me, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. say, but back, so that was a huge realization that I grew up with this paradigm of, you don't talk back to the elder. And then I had to learn that. So in that year, I grew so much as a person and over the year I ended up kind of refining myself to where I ended up standing up for myself and I... Um, got my voice back, and I was able to talk back. Interesting. So yeah. two questions around this. If you feel comfortable sharing, and it's totally fine if you yes. do not, but if you feel comfortable sharing, what are some of the things that you were experiencing verbally that were 
um, causing this reaction and this like what are some examples because I think it's important for people to hear what kind mm. of language that is or or the scenarios yes and then two how did your manager react when you started um, finding more of your power yeah oh so the it's it, the okay so the verbal question mm-hmm. one it's very much um masked as like a regular question so it's anything from like you don't know what you're doing but okay so you don't know what you're doing but that can still mm-hmm. be you don't know what the hell you're doing what's yeah. wrong with you um this is wrong or we would sit for hours kind of figure out a presentation and then it's like start from the beginning so it, it's mask. It was never like, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you? But it was more like, you're doing something wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You should be at another level. So when you hear that constantly, constantly. Yeah. And at the beginning, I stood up for myself. Eventually, you kind of get wore, wore down. Yeah. So that's when I got wore down. When I started finding my power, call, I would call her back right back out. So it's like, why, why did you do that? This is exactly what we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem with that, let's both sit down go through everything again so I can give you exactly what you want. Yeah. But before I was too afraid to call her out mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're the head of a department. Mm-hmm. And so, um, now looking back, I completely forgave her because there's a lot of resentment once you're in it to just be like, Argh. I definitely have a lot of resentment towards. Are you still? My, yeah. Yeah. I definitely Oh, that's like, beautiful healing work to be done. It is. And it's something I'm still working yeah. on. Yeah. I think when you have a manager who, Number one, it's human nature. You're going to forget things. Um, But when you have a manager that forgets a conversation that you just had or a direction that they've just given you, um, or you have a manager that gives you a project, but they haven't really dictated what they actually want. Yes. Oh, um, that's such a big one. Like, do this. Be perfect. Tomorrow at 8. No direction. Right. It's really challenging to meet a standard Um, when you have no idea what that standard is. And it's also challenging because of the power dynamics because then when you bring something to a manager and the standard is not met, it's really hard, like you're saying, to say, well, what do you want? Yes, that was the hardest thing. So Mm -hmm. me taking my power, I mean, I had to rehearse. Yeah, me too. In the bathroom. Yeah, me too. All right, Steph, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. I would call... I, I mentioned this, but I would call my angels. I would call guides, just the whole crew. And that this is how it's going to go. <laughs> and then do a little dance. And then, so I would prime myself. So I want to go to these meetings. I would still shake. I would still be, my voice would be like, uh-huh. but enough. Yeah. Because this, the way we're treating each other and the way you're kind of expecting this out of mm-hmm. standards, it's not working out anymore. Yeah. So once you start calling them out, they don't necessarily like it. No. But, you know, it's either them or me. In this case, I I got my power back. Yeah, I think I've had multiple scenarios. The the one that has resonated the most with me, and honestly, to be totally transparent, is the reason why I started this podcast, is from my previous role, um, my my most previous role, it it was just an environment where I felt like such an outsider. And I felt like I did not have the tools and I wasn't being given the tools to match the standard and the expectations that people had of me. So I lost my motivation. Mm. And so I just stopped trying. Right. And I stopped giving because I realized I wasn't ever going to be heard. Right. And the only so way I got out of it was to leave. Mm-hmm. And even 
leaving was terrifying. Um, Extremely. But in my previous role before that one, I had a manager um, who was male and I literally wrote him to-do lists. And that was something where I actually felt like I had a lot of power, but I didn't have the authority to be the boss Mm -hmm. because my boss wasn't a boss, but I was basically the boss. And I didn't have a voice. So in that way, so it's just so interesting that you're talking about that because, you know, when you're feeling like, yes, the tables have turned, some people never find that moment. Like I don't actually ever feel like I found that moment in my previous role Mm -hmm. where I could say, what do you actually want? Or like, why do you you think so? Do you feel like, I think because I wasn't doing enough of the work I was supposed to be doing. So for me, I just felt like I wasn't receiving support. And then the moment I didn't recognize that I wasn't receive, I recognized that I wasn't receiving support, but I didn't recognize that I could verbalize it in a way um, that would give my power, give myself power and then also give my role power um, and, and help my manager understand what, I'm going through. Right. Because I think when you often aren't doing your work or when you're not motivated or you're feeling like you're not supported um, because and you're not doing your work because of those things, right? you um, feel like you're complaining or other people feel like you're complaining. Right. But instead, there's a major issue. Like I think... And nobody's talking about nobody's it. Nobody's talking about it. And nobody's talking about the fact that when you're not doing your work or when you're not meeting goals... There are major issues there that maybe that person just hates their job, but why? So when you're talking to me about this manager that you literally were role-playing about mm-hmm. with your boyfriend at the time, I can so relate. And I think it's, again, this expectation of having to know it all and right. having to do it all. Um, and if you are a manager, I highly encourage you to understand that your staff does not know it all and they need to be trained and you need to be that resource and, for them. Yes, and also that you don't know it all. Exactly. Because I yeah. think I've worked with so many people that they feel the need to be like, I'm the manager, the VP, the director, the general yeah. manager. I know it all. And that's already, it puts everybody at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because you nobody knows it all. Yeah. Right? Even if they know 90% of their job, there's a 10% that they still learning as they go. Yeah. So when you're vulnerable, if you are managing people, it allows to for it to go both ways. Mm-hmm. Where when you need help, instead of yelling at somebody because you don't know how to ask for help, and then it allows for the employees to also ask you for help, mm-hmm. which makes it so much more of a an efficient and productive environment. Yeah. I I mean, all of this just resonates with me, mm-hmm. and I know that there are people out there that this will resonate with as well. Great. I, I'm curious. You know, you're talking. We were, we were talking about before how when you started talking to your manager, when you started saying these things, it gave you more power, and you felt more powerful. Um, how did she react then? And what were those reactions part of the reasons why you were like, okay, this is not for me? Um, her re- her reaction her reaction was like fifty fifty, mm-hmm. and I think when you work in corporate to may, may or anybody or anywhere, it's you know it's up and down. It's not really stable from that sense. So sometimes she was like, okay, thank you. Let me be more you know proactive. Other times it was like, I don't have time for this. You yeah. figure it out. You're the manager. Yeah. So I think it was you know on and off. I think for me in that sense. Because I had figured out a few months before that coaching was what I wanted to do. 
So this, you had already figured this out. Yeah, it was like in tandem, you know, like I already knew, I didn't know I wanted to like start my business, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I'm exploring myself right now. Like I'm showing up as a stronger person at work Mm -hmm. while I'm also exploring like it's corporate for me. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of uh, questioning everything. My goal was always to get the corner office and be some general manager or VP. And at this year in my life, I'm like, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. So I started doing the work of saying, eventually I want to leave. If I want to leave corporate, I need to get comfortable with the idea of me making money because I have never made money on my own. Mm. Meaning I, it always came from a corporation. Yeah. I showed up, I went to work and every once a month I got a paycheck every two weeks, whatever you get a paycheck. Now it's like, if I go on my own, how am I going to get paid? Are people going to want to pay me? <laughs> like, ah! So I think I was I was stronger at work, but I was more focused on my inner work. Right, because you're like trying to understand the value you present to other people. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, I know people have uh, started their own business all the time. I know I'm not the first one, but it's so scary to think you're going to mm-hmm. leave like a six-figure job mm-hmm. with all these benefits to just jump in the middle of the ocean. And the thing for me, it's because I'm so like achieving and I'm so extreme There is the other route of build your business while you work full time. Yeah. That's acceptable. Mm -hmm. That's just not how I do things. Mm -hmm. Because also the type of job I had, you literally are working 16, 18 hour days. Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't, I'm sure it exists. It's just, I didn't see it as an option. Mm -hmm. So when I got comfortable and I realized this is not for me, I had to add integrity in my word and leave the job. Right. As scary as it was, because it was so scary, I teach spinning on the side. So like my side job was like teaching spinning classes. I also worked at the Equinox uh, retail shop mm-hmm. where they sell clothes. No ego. It wasn't like I have a master's. I've worked for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna How am I gonna sell clothes? <laughs> it's like you get a you know you go to the store yeah. and. I, to be fair, I also love cashiers and I play cashiers when I was little. So I think there was a part of me that was bringing the, the dream back to life. Yeah. Like taking credit cards. Um, so my first six months, I was teaching spinning. I was working at the retail shop. I was starting my business. Yeah. Like I was, you know, it was from, from scratch and you learn. So when you quit your job, you had finished your program. Yes. So did anybody know you were in that program at your job? I probably told one or two people. Mm -hmm. I think when, um, because when you have a dream, I read this, I heard from Gabby, you know Gabby Bernstein? Mm -hmm. Love her. I used to go to like all her conferences. But she said once, when you have a dream and you're beginning on this dream, only tell the people that are you know are going to be supportive. Totally. Because it's a I baby. I that with this. Yeah. Exactly. You only tell the people that are like, yes. Yeah. You want to start your own business? Get it. Yeah. I don't know what people are going to tell me. Mm-hmm. So I was not, will- I was already insecure enough to <laughs> quit a job and start a business. Like that's already scary. In a- like I have my own insecurities. <laughs> I don't need to tell anybody <laughs> like, else. I'm on an emotional Exactly. Right now. Like I'm questioning my life much. every day. <laughs> Please pause. Take a step back. So no, I did not tell maybe one or two people that I knew I had known for my whole career or when I was there. Outside of that, I didn't tell. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, Again, I think that's a situation that is great and fucked up. Yeah. Like, (laughs) we should have a segment on this show. Great and and fucked fucked up. up. Yes. Um, Because you... Yes, you're right. Again, like you hold those things so closely and it's like, it's that trust factor. Um, so you quit your job, 
you started your own business. Um, how did you get your first client? Ooh, where did my first client come from? It was a mutual friend. She was leaving the city mm -hmm. and she had a call with him. And she's like, listen, he's great, but I can't take him as a client. She's like a literally a rock star that tours the world with her music. No big deal. Um, no big deal. And uh, I talked to him and he was wonderful. And that was, that was my first client. So how did you have that person? Like, I'm always fascinated with how that person paid you. Yes. So very still to this day, um, either Venmo or PayPal. <laughs> Although I feel like I've, I've I recently got a square for credit card. No, you misunderstood the question. Wait, 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 I wait, so much. No, how did you convince that person to pay you? I'm like literal. I'm like literal. I'm like Venmo, which funny. by the way, I still take. No, <laughs> no convincing. My favorite answer. Um, you can pay me through Venmo. And I'm like, is this is this a commercial part? <laughs> um, no, that's hysterical. That's amazing. There was no convincing. <laughs> okay. It was like because that's the thing. The more you are like sure, I'm, the more you're sure with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It was listen. This is what I do. This is what. Yeah. It's like when you go to a store and you buy a sweater. Yeah. Nobody's convincing anybody. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm getting a sweater and I'm paying fifty bucks or mm -hmm. five hundred, whatever you pay for sweaters. And like the person is like, are oh, you know? Let me convince you. That's the kind of energy that yeah. I bring into all my, my discovery calls, like I call them. So let's talk about what you're doing now. Yes. So you are a coach and energy healer. Yes. So what does that mean? What do you do? Like, how does that work? Yes. So the coach is probably more easier to understand. Sure. It's just transitioning and helping people make, uh, when they're in the middle of making a decision in their life or they feel stuck, like both of us mm -hmm. have fell in the past. That's where I really specialize, working with people that feel stuck in their lives, mm -hmm. get unstuck. Um, energy healing, I started doing this work way longer. It's been about 15, even 20 years. And we are all, in a most simple way that I can explain it, we are all made up of energy. We are energy. Everything is energy. Mm -hmm. So this work uh, is not necessarily with the conscious, where you're talking to me and we're doing a lot of structure work. Energy healing is working with your subconscious. Because it all comes down to, to your beliefs as a person. Yeah. So if you believe that, you know, you're never going to be successful or like, you know, whatever it is, you're going to take actions that support that belief. Mm -hmm. If you believe that, you know, um, whatever your belief, I can never move to New York. You're probably never going to move to New York. Yeah. Where with us, we believe we were always going to move here at some point or another. And here we are. Yeah. So the energy healing just comes with the energy and the, the subconscious to change whatever limiting beliefs somebody has so what does that look like when you're with a client so say for example i was the type of person who was like oh i could never move to new york but it would be something i might want to do someday like or maybe there's a different example yeah no that's a great example so the, the most of the energy healing that i do it doesn't have to be face to face yeah because energy connects no matter where we are mm -hmm. um the way the, the the session begins talking about whatever limiting belief they want to uh, change and then getting an insight on if they were to change this belief what does that sound like yeah. one day i will move to new york Moving to New York gets easier and easier every day as I think about it, whatever it is. And then you literally just relax. You're going to be laying on your couch or your bed or whatever it is. You give me permission to work with your energy because I'm not going to enter. It's like I'm not going to touch you unless you shake my hand right. or you want to hug me. Yeah. Thank you. Consent. Same thing with energy. There's so much integrity in the work of energy. Mm -hmm. And then I just do this whole thing that will take probably a whole new other podcast. But 
on your I end. I feel like we should have you back to go into that. Okay. Because I would be very interested in kind of learning like the very specifics Yes, of I would. And I would love to um, share it because I think yeah. it's this area where people are more open to um, trying new modalities. Like back then it was like therapy and counseling. Yeah. Now it's like coaching and then maybe energy healing yeah. and crystals, right? Yeah. So I love the idea of coming back. I do energy healings. And then the other thing I would love to talk to you about on part de is uh angel readings <laughs> i connect with angels with okay. people either that what? so that could be like a whole new other dun 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 <laughs> i wish i was like tech savvy enough to enter that into the edit of this podcast yes but we'll get there one day yes so okay so to kind of dabble into it for a quick moment when i'm sitting on this couch i give you consent um to enter into my energy yes um, perfectly said what does what do you do so on my part in a very simple way i always connect with if you will the universe mm-hmm. because we're all connected mm-hmm. we're all one the reason why there's two different bodies is because our frequencies literally i was just talking to my fiance about this last <sighs> night he we, I, I can geek out we, i can geek out over this we like it's the most ridiculous thing. He, we, I was talking to him about how there are little kids who remember their past lives. Yeah. And like how on BuzzFeed I saw something where I was like, 19 kids who remember their past lives. I don't, by the way. And, but yeah. <laughs> me either. Actually. Do you um, <laughs> but he was saying when he was little, he was on the playground with a kid and he was talking to this kid and he said, I used to be a bluebird in my past <gasps> life. And he probably and, was. And the kid... <laughs> I'm telling you. And the kid was like, oh, yeah, we have past lives, like going into this big thing. And my fiance was like, you know, I believe in it. I love that. When we die, worms eat us. We get blown into into the trees, which get, you know, which grow and leaves blow around the universe. And our energy is everywhere. It's it's everywhere. And he is like such an. Uh, like black and white person sometimes. I was like, what? What? This part of you, I did not know. Do tell. You talk to a. A little child about being a bluebird? Like, what is going on? So, <laughs> that's exactly so it. interesting that I was we talking about We are all this. one. Yeah. So, I connect with the energy of the universe. Okay. And then I connect with your energy. And then we're working through a brain wave that's called the theta. So, there's five different brain waves. Mm-hmm. One of them is theta. Theta is that moment where you're almost sleeping or first thing you wake up. And that's when your brain is the most malleable to be changed Mm. because there isn't any, oh, I live here, I have to pay my bills. Like there's nothing getting in the way of any beliefs, like anything is possible. So I connect with that brainwave and then it's all energy work, which is, I guess, hard to explain, but it gives me a good homework to find the words to explain this, where I'm connecting with your energy and just through energy connection, we're diving in through that brainwave to change your beliefs. I don't know if that's like no, still too I, out there, if that begins to no, make I sense. No, I think we should dive into it on part deux, like yeah. you said. Um, but what I do want to talk about is how that the subconscious mind and um, how you work with people, not just through energy work, but what they're feeding themselves. Like, so I recently watched a video on this and um, this woman was talking about the subconscious mind. Like if you're watching the news before you go to bed... You're seeing a lot of negative imagery 
you're hearing a lot of things that are incredibly disturbing mm-hmm. um, and how that will affect your subconscious mind and how your belief system will be affected by that mm-hmm. energy and by those images and by yes. that language. You're like nodding. Because I'm and, like, <laughs> oh, I don't watch the news rarely ever. And I'm super picky for lack of a better word mm-hmm. on like my surroundings yeah because I and I'm super sensitive too so anything that happens I'm like shaken by it for a few hours or a few days so it sounds like before you made this change you were very limited in understanding your surroundings because you were in an air in an environment that bingo was constantly um, impacting you negatively. Bingo. And again, because I try to mold myself. Yeah. I thought I had to be this person. Yeah. I always say after I quit my corporate job, I came out of my spiritual closet because mm-hmm. it's always been a part of me, but I'm like, this is not how you make money. This is not how the world plays. Right. You literally went with like, I used to work for L'Oreal to, I talk to angels now, yes. which like, I fucking love um, so much. Um, and I think that's amazing yeah. because I also think that you are being authentic, like you said. Right. You came out of your spiritual closet. Um, so when that happened, when that change happened, what you you said you're very sensitive. It takes you a few days to kind of recuperate mm-hmm. after you have something that like is energetically intense. Mm-hmm. Um, when that first started happening, were, was that happening? Like, was that a gradual process, or when you opened up, did you feel that happen? Because Sometimes I think we go through the motions where we're constantly stressed, we're constantly um, anxious or worried, um, and it's because we're feeding ourselves. We this, don't know any better. Right. We're we're taking in information. We're not speaking up at work. We're right. watching things that are incredibly depressing. We're in a depressing. trance. Um, and we also have the privilege to be in those positions where we can ignore True. those things. Um, some people do not. Um, so I want to know kind of what that felt like when you kind of shifted. I think you hit it right on the nail when you said about we we were in a loop. And I think I was in that loop. Even though I was sensitive, I almost like desensitized myself, which is impossible, which is why you end up breaking out in hives. Because it's like you're doing something that's against mm-hmm. who you are. Right. But you don't know any better. So it's like I'm in this loop, I'm in this loop. Then I transitioned and my first year was very transformational because I was shedding the corporate Stephanie and almost welcoming who I was that I had hit for so long. Yeah. Now, because I'm even more selective on my environments, I'm a lot more sensitive. Yeah. So even like last week I met a friend at a bar and we were there. I got there a little bit earlier. The bar was packed. It was like a Thursday at like 730. And she came in and I was like, listen, do you mind if we go to another place? Mm-hmm. I was so uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. my energy, and I rarely get like that, mm-hmm. but I, I now make sense because it's like I surround myself with things that feed my soul and feed the reality that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. The other things don't serve me. And some people might be like, but that's not real. Okay, we each create our own reality. Yeah. My reality is wonderful. <laughs> I live in a great world. <laughs> yes, of course, there is, you know, I'm exaggerating. There is everything we deal with, but 90% of my world is beautiful. Well, I think what you're speaking on is self-care. Yes. And I think what you're speaking on is shifting your mindset Absolutely. for self-care mm-hmm. and self-preservation. Um, because when you are in an environment where you're stressed or you're feeding yourself negativity or you are in an environment and you're putting yourself in a negative situation, not even realizing it, 
your body reacts chemically. Like you said, you're breaking out, your cortisol levels are shooting up. I've been around plenty of women who have been coming home crying, you know, after work or who have these bosses who don't really understand what's going on or how to manage people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think what you're saying is out there. You know, I think the, I think what you're saying is the truest form for you. Yes. And, but it's, it resonates with a lot of people. Right. Where you have to shift your mindset. That's where it all starts. So. That's where it all starts. Two more things and then we have to wrap up. Okay. I could literally talk to you for two more hours. I love it. Me too. Um, but. First thing, um, we have a segment, which we forgot to do with Tracy, so sorry, listeners. Um, that's called Oh Girl No. Okay. And it is about the worst advice that you've ever received. <gasps> okay. Or, like, kind of the worst example you've ever seen. And I, we've kind of touched on a little some bit of, of that. Things, yes. But what has been like an Oh Girl No moment for you that's I love popping that. up? It's like there's so many. The first one that <laughs> came up, and I guess it was um, so. The first one that came up is there was a meeting on Monday. I had a meeting on Monday. This was when I was in my corporate world. And um, we'd been working all week, literally like around the clock. Like one day that week, I came home at like three in the morning. Okay, so all this stuff is due Monday. I go to my manager and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to have it done by Monday. She's like, well, there's, it was a Friday. So she's like, there's, there's the weekend. Um, well, I'm not working this weekend. I had never said that. Mm-hmm. Like my voice was literally shaking and she's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm going out of town. I'm not going to be able to work. And then she's like, well, I guess you'll have to deal with the consequences on Monday. I mean, I don't know if that's like a, oh girl, no what? And I was like, so now you're threatening me because I'm not going to work on a weekend after I've worked uh, round the clock. You guys, my face, like I'm speechless. Dropped to, you'll have to deal with the consequences. And I said, all right, I will. I got to back to my desk and I'm like literally shaking because I'm like, I may get fired on Monday, but I am not working this weekend, damn well, that's it. that's actually really re- relevant because I actually have started vo- verbalizing that I can't work on the weekends um, or that my schedule needs to be what it is. Yes. What I was hired for. Like, yes. Which I understand can shift and it's really fun. But it is a really big challenge like to verbalize that, but then to have that response. I know. Yikes. But I felt so proud of myself, Christina, oh, yeah. because I was like, you know what? Whatever happens... Okay, I'm taking care of myself. Yeah. Like, this is, that was such like a hard boundary. Yeah. And Monday came and nobody had their stuff done. And I was like, see, I'm even happier that I didn't work on the weekend. <laughs> because, of course, things are always shifting. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful. So, last question. Um, we've briefly, and, you know, we definitely need to talk more about, we briefly touched upon your energy healing and your um, coaching work. So, but we're talking about self-care and shifting your mindset. Um, I would love to know kind of one tangible thing or a few tangible things that people could do to start shifting their mindset and opening themselves up for that subconscious healing and also that kind of energy shift. Yes. Um, So what are some things that, you know, women can do to start that process? I love that. So I'll start, I'll give you two. Um, One with the energy healing that I think it's really powerful that anybody can do is every night when you're taking a shower... Um, you want to visualize literally the water coming down you as it's cleansing your energy. 
because we're running around all day and have like a thousand things to do and you are picking up energy like somebody coughs on you and you pick up their germs i know that sounds gross but it's true you're picking up energy from other people and then you come home and you're like i don't feel like myself i don't know you probably picked up like an energy cough from somebody so i always say energetic girl that energy is trying to get you sick exactly and it's like ew i don't want your crap so every night just like you brush your teeth every night when you're taking a shower i was like close my eyes and just visualize the water cleansing your energy if you believe in you know angels or guides or the universe god whatever i always call upon them because they're like the stronger energy that can really rinse it out. So it's like, guides, help me remove any any energy that doesn't belong to me. If you don't believe in anything, you can just picture your body being cleansed and all the energy being washed away. And that's going to keep you in like a squeaky clean energy, which will help you be um, more productive the next day or sleep better or have better sex. Like it, everything, because you're not yeah. carrying other people's crap. Um, when it comes to the subconscious work, something that I always, always do with myself and my clients, it's, let's say you have a behavior, let's say you're drinking, mm-hmm. smoking, whatever easy thing that most people do when they're trying to numb, you're ready, you're ready to let it go. And you're like, I don't even know where to start. The question you want to ask yourself is how is drinking keeping me safe? Because we all start a behavior because initially it kept us safe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it kept you safe um, drinking because you don't have to think about your crazy boss and you know you have to go to work ne- the next day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not the best habit, but it made sense that you did it. Or maybe you're eating something because it's like emotionally I'm comforting myself. Mm-hmm. But then you end up being in a place that you're like, I can't eat an, a pint of, like I used to drink a ton. I'm like, I can't drink a bottle of wine every night yeah. and not even getting drunk. Like there's a problem here. Yeah. How safe blank the behavior is keeping me and then you'll say it's keeping me safe because that's how i protect myself great how can you find other ways to protect yourself that so it goes directly to the subconscious Mm. so that's how you can get around with like uh beating yourself up or having shame around any of these behaviors it's like i'm doing this because it's keeping me safe how Mm -hmm. is this keeping me safe yeah it's a much gentler and then you can work from that instead of trying to beat at it Right. Does that make right. sense? No, totally. I yeah. Think so how is this um, behavior keeping me safe? And then how can I adjust? To be safe to in that be way. safe in that way. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, it's keeping me, you know, I'm, I'm loving myself. Well, where else can you find love? Mm-hmm. Do you call a girlfriend? Do you call your mom? Do you watch a movie? Oh, it's helping me feel whatever. Relaxed. Relaxed. Like, I, how can how I else relax? can I relax? Yeah. You take a bath, You whatever mm-hmm. it is. Exactly. That's great. So that's kind of like the first step to yeah. reframing it and then start shifting the mindset around yeah. it. Yeah, that's great. Um, I am so sad we have to end, but... It's the beginning of many. This was wonderful. (laughs) Yes, it was so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Where can people find you? Yes, um, you're so welcome, by the way. I've loved this so much. Um, I am mostly, so you can go to my website. I'll give it to you. You can add it to the notes, but it's stephanieverschow.com. And then I'm mostly active on Instagram, which is the same at stephanieverschow. Perfect. Well, you will definitely see all of her stuff on our Instagram and in our um, episode description. So please uh, don't forget to subscribe to Yes, subscribe and like Um, and all the things. Share and spread the word. (laughs) And um, don't forget to follow Stephanie and us on Instagram. And we are at Grown Woman Pod. Um, So thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited for people to hear this episode. And thank you for 
sharing your story and being so vulnerable and honest and really diving deep. Um, this has been wonderful. You are Thank so welcome. You. It was such an honor. Thank you for having me. Of course.